0: It's been said that imitation is the sincerest form of flattery, and I think that's true. I mean, it makes sense that that we would want to be like the people we respect and admire. But it also makes sense how that's a double-edged sword, because we often find ourselves imitating both the good and the bad. For instance, there's this guy, he is, he's decades and decades ahead of me in ministry, and I've looked up to him for years and years, and he is an incredible leader, and he was the lead pastor of one of America's 10 largest churches. And I've just admired him because he's one of the most intentional, most strategic, most focused, most determined leaders I have ever been around, and early on, I attended lots of his lectures on leadership, and I, and I drank it up. I, I, I imitated him as often as possible. Over time, however, as I got to know him closely and personally, I discovered he's also kind of a jerk. <laughs> Oftentimes ruthless, sometimes graceless, and for several years, if I'm just being honest, I started thinking, well, that must be how great leaders operate. And so I started acting that way too. I mean, I needed to lead. I didn't have time for people who weren't on board. I had a mission to accomplish and no room to tolerate distraction. It was was get on the bus or get run over. And you know what happened? The organization I was leading succeeded. It grew and it developed and it reproduced and it multiplied and it made national growth lists. Even articles were written about us in various magazines. And at the same time, I think our bus probably did run some people over. And I think we often treated people like moving parts instead of humans loved by God. And I think there were probably even times that regretfully we used our mission as an excuse to mistreat people. In hindsight, I just, I hate that. As I worked hard to imitate one particular pastor's admirable traits, I ended up embodying some of his weaknesses as well. And I wonder how things could have been better had I said instead... I'm just gonna try to be like Jesus. I know all the parents in the room know what I'm talking about, right? We reproduce who we are. And what that means is our children are little imitations. They are little reflections of us. They are mirrors through which we can see ourselves. They are taught many of our strengths, but no matter how hard we try to stop it, they caught many of our weaknesses as well. Janice and I often marvel how similar our children are to us, both in our strengths and in our weaknesses. I remember my dad used to say to me, he would say, son, I want you to always do what I say. Always do what I say, but don't always do what I do. And he wasn't using that as an excuse, but he was humbly acknowledging some of the flaws in his character. And oh, by the way, we all have flaws in our character. You know, as a younger man, I didn't think I had many flaws in my character, but after living through some stuff and after raising four children, I have learned otherwise. Our children mirror the best and the worst of us. And as much as I realize that's just the nature of the beast, I don't really want my kids to imitate me. I want them to be themselves, yes, but more importantly, I want them to be like Jesus. I want them to imitate him because I know that's where they will find true joy. Well, today as we continue our Advent series, we're going to talk about imitating Jesus. But before we get there, and in case you weren't here last week, I want to catch you up a little bit. Last week we talked about how insane things have been in our world and, and even in our own backyard these past few years. From global pandemics to natural disasters. And we also talked about how crazy things get during the holiday season, from the Christmas decorating to the holiday shopping, from the work parties to the school commitments, from from the extra planning to the extra cooking, getting the year-end stuff completed at work while getting the New Year's stuff launched at work. I mean, just in our house, and I'm sure you can appreciate this, but in our house, things seem crazy. I mean, sports are in full swing. We actually had three basketball games just this week, science Fair projects coming to house guests coming to visit, and of course our Christmas initiatives here at FCC. Truthfully, it's starting to feel very frantic. And Janice and I, we were just discussing this this week. Like we feel like we are just racing around, trying to find the time, trying to find the energy necessary to do the laundry, and to go buy groceries. There's just so many things going on, all the extra stuff happening in our places of work and in our community and and with our friends, and, and it's all really good stuff. I mean, it would be so much easier if we were deciding between the good stuff and the bad stuff, but it's not. Everything we're trying to do is good stuff but we can't do all the good stuff and we wanna do all the good stuff and that creates tension and that creates friction and so last week we talked about the frenetic pace of the holiday season and how if we're really going to experience the joy of Jesus this Christmas, we have to be intentional about putting joy on the calendar. Last week I told you about my good friend Chad And Chad is, he's balancing a lot. He leads this large and growing church. And each of his three children have all gotten married in the past couple of years. And his parents live with him. And he preaches three times every Sunday. And he's as busy a person as you will ever meet. But then he comes down with his lung disease. And his lungs only operate at 30% of their capacity. And he's uncomfortable. and, And he's in pain. And sometimes he can't catch his breath because his lungs... Are laboring so hard. And so between sermons on Sundays, he's taking breathing treatments in his office, and all the medical experts say he'll need a complete lung transplant, both lungs, and yet, and yet somehow he's always positive and he's always hopeful. And every single time I talk to him and I ask him how he's doing, I'm like, Chad, how you doing, buddy? And he says, Every time, bro, I'm putting joy on the calendar. And, and we're using his phrase for our Christmas series this year because we need to be more like him. We need to be putting joy on our calendars. Like it's, it's not gonna come naturally in this season. We have to take it by force. The other thing we shared last week was the meaning of Advent. Advent is a 40-day celebration of Christmas where we light candles every Sunday, representing the emotions and the experiences that we feel during Christmas. There's faith and hope and joy and peace. And we also follow an Advent calendar, which is a daily devotional that helps us find joy every day throughout the Christmas season. I just wanna say you can find our Advent calendar in our Church Center app, which can be accessed with the QR codes on the back of your pews. We want you to get those calendars and use them in your daily time with God all month long. And then the other thing we're doing is we're preaching through the book of Philippians all month long. The book of Philippians is a New Testament letter. It's written by the Apostle Paul. It's a letter that's all about joy. And the main theme of the book of Philippians is joy. Paul uses the words joy and rejoice more than 13 times in the book of Philippians. Joy is Paul's primary theme in this letter. Now, the words joy and rejoice come from two Greek words, which put together mean to be delighted, to be glad, to be pleased, to be eager. The biblical idea of joy is the feeling you get when you greet a loved one you haven't seen in a while, I mentioned this last week, but, but whenever I go on long trips, right before I get home, right before I see Janice, I get all these, these funny feelings in my belly. I get these, these knots in my stomach. I, I get so excited to see her, and you might know what I'm talking about. That's the biblical idea of joy. That's what the biblical word for joy means. It means delight, gladness, with eager anticipation. It's often used to describe the feelings we have of welcoming home a loved one. And those can be the feelings we get around Christmas if we are tuned in. And so we want to get tuned in to joy as we anticipate the celebration of Christmas, and we're doing so by studying the book of Philippians. Last week, we talked about the joy we have in sharing Jesus from Philippians chapter one. Next week, we'll talk about the joy we have in celebrating Jesus from Philippians three. The final week, we'll discuss the joy we have in gratitude and thanking Jesus from Philippians four. But this week, It's the joy we have in imitating Jesus from Philippians chapter two. And if you're taking notes, here's our big idea for today. In this insanely busy holiday season, we find our joy by imitating Jesus Christ. In all the holiday insanity, we can find joy, we can find that delight, that gladness, that pleasure, that eagerness, that anticipation by imitating Jesus. And there are three things mentioned in Philippians 2 we should imitate in Jesus. And those three things are his love, his humility, and his hopefulness, each of which will help us experience joy in this Christmas season, regardless of what's happening all around us. And so from Philippians chapter 2, here are the three things we can do to find joy. Number one, we can find joy by imitating the loving mindset of Christ, Philippians chapter 2, verses 1 through 5 says, Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. Now, I want you to remember that Paul was in prison When he wrote these words, he was being persecuted for Christ. And some people believe this imprisonment resulted in Paul being executed. Others believe he was released only to be executed later. But Paul was in prison and he was rejoicing. We learned about this last week. Even in prison, Paul felt delight and gladness and eager anticipation. Well, kind of. He was experiencing those feelings until he heard the Philippian Christians were not getting along so well. In fact, they were divided. And some of them were driving wedges between others of them, and some were being selfish, and others were being vain and conceited, and some were trampling on others' rights in order to defend their own. And this was robbing Paul of the joy he had. In Jesus. I wonder what robs you of the joy you have. Problems in your family, struggles with money, worries about your kids, fear regarding your future, conversations about politics, and all these things can be amplified during the holiday season as we gather. What steals your joy? What what bothered Paul was not prison, persecution, or even potential execution. What bothered Paul was people claiming to follow Christ but not actually following Christ. I mean, they went to church and they professed Jesus, but they didn't act like Jesus. Oh, you do know that going to church, as incredible as it is, doesn't make you a Christian. You know that, right? And, And saying you believe in Jesus... Doesn't make you a Christian. Believing in Jesus and living like Jesus is what makes you a Christian. Christian means Christ follower. And so, so Paul says in Philippians chapter two, verse one, he says, if you are a Christian, like if you are united with Christ, if you are connected to Jesus, if you have the spirit of Jesus in you, then Philippians two, two says, you can experience joy by loving, valuing and encouraging One another. That's the mindset of Jesus, loving, valuing, and encouraging others. The the mindset of Jesus is that we're not always thinking about ourselves or our own rights or our own ambitions, our own interests, but we're often thinking about others and their rights and their interests and their ambitions. When we imitate the loving mindset of Christ that others matter, that's where we find joy. That brings us to number two. We can find joy by imitating the humble mindset of Christ. Now, I wanna ask you by a show of hands, I'd really want you to participate here. How many of you value humility? Like, I'm not asking you if you're humble. Like, you're like, I can't, if I raise my hand, I'm humble, right? How many of you value humility? Like, how many of you aspire to humility? How many of you want to be humble? How many of you want your kids to be Humble? Like, everybody's raising their hands, almost everybody. But are you sure? Because in the Bible, humility means to make low, to bring low, to level the plane, to assign a lower rank, to submit, to stoop. Still sure you want to be humble? Even if it means a demotion. In you know, other words, humility in the Bible referred most often to the economically poor. To be humble is to reduce your economic status, among other things. Still in? Philippians chapter two verses five through 11. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him a name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God, the father. And Paul points to Jesus as the highest example of humility Jesus, being in very nature God, did not demand equal treatment or equal status with God the Father, even though he had every right to. No, verse 7 says he made himself nothing. And, and that informs our Christology, our understanding of Christ. When God took the form of a man as Jesus of Nazareth, he willingly gave up the attributes of deity to become Like us, he became unlike God. Think about it like this. God can be everywhere at once, yes? But Jesus, as a human, could only be one place at a time. Or or like this, God can do anything he wants. He has the power to do whatever, right? Yes. But Jesus, as a human, had to depend on the Holy Spirit to do miracles because humans... Don't have that ability. Or how about this? God knows everything, yep. There's nothing that God doesn't know, right? But Jesus, as a human, only knew what God revealed to him through the Holy Spirit or what was taught to him by the world around him. And that's why Jesus said he himself didn't know the day or the hour he would return in Matthew 24. On a more practical level, it means the baby Born in the manger, had to be taught how to talk, had to be taught how to walk, had to be potty trained, had to be taught the scriptures, had to learn about life just like the rest of us. Hebrews 2.17 says, for this reason Jesus had to be made like us, fully human in every way, in order that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in service to God, that he might make atonement for the sins of the people. Philippians chapter two, verse six says, Jesus did not consider equality with God something to be grasped. He made himself nothing. Verse eight says, he humbled himself. Humanly speaking, Jesus was not rich or powerful or all that attractive. He demoted himself himself even to death. And the scriptures say he found joy in that. You say, well, how in the world do you find joy in that? Well, the joy is in verses nine and 10 where it says God exalted him. God lifted him up. God restored his supremacy. The son humbled himself and then the father lifted him up. And even now, thousands of years later, we lift him up too we can find joy by imitating Christ's mindset of humility and number 3 we can find joy by imitating the hopeful mindset of Christ and speaking of being hopeful have you noticed how negative we've become lately as a society anybody does it just kind of seem like everybody's always grumbling are you with me? Like, we've become a culture of grumblers. And I think maybe, maybe, well, sometimes I think it seems like we've just had it so good for so long that we don't appreciate how good we've got it. Like, um, when we think somebody saying happy holidays instead of Merry Christmas is persecution, well, oh, we don't appreciate how good we've got it, right? Like like when we think there's a war on Christmas, while the whole world is actually celebrating Christmas, even non-Christians, that we're just looking for reasons to be mad. We don't appreciate how good we've got it. And now what am I doing? I'm grumbling. And speaking of me grumbling, Got to tell you, I'm not a huge fan of um, the television preacher Joel Osteen. Not a huge fan. I think the prosperity ideology he proclaims is bad theology. But you know what? That guy, like he is always smiling. Like, I defy you to ever find him saying anything negative in any message he ever preaches, ever. And and you say, well, it's probably for the cameras. I don't think it's fake. I don't think it's for the cameras, the people I know who know him. Say he is the exact same guy in public and in private, that he's always smiling, that he's always positive, that he's always hopeful, that he's always just shining this spirit of joy. And I don't like his theology, but I don't know how many people Would say about me what they say about him? Do people see that hopefulness in me? Do people see that joy in me? Do people see that in you? I think we see it in Jesus. And I honestly, I think we see it in Paul. He certainly called us to it. Check this out. This is Philippians chapter two verses fourteen and fifteen. Paul says this he says he says, do what's that word? Everything without grumbling or All right, do everything without grumbling or arguing so that you may become blameless and pure children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation and then you will shine among them like stars in the sky. Would you just uh, read verse verse 14 with me again? Let's do this, let's do this out loud. Um, Do, do what? Do without or You guys are really good at that. Let's try that again. Do without or as we head deep into our Christmas celebrations, do without or as we do all of our Christmas shopping, do without or As we race the kids to the concerts and the school plays, do without or as we prepare to travel long distances in the car closed up together, do without or as we clean our homes for overly critical guests, do, without, or, as we gather with family, some of whom have different politics. Do, without, or, or what? As we wrap our gifts only to realize our kids peaked. Do, without, Or as we imitate Christ's mentality of love and compassion, as we imitate his humility, as we imitate his positive hopefulness, laying aside our grumbling and our arguing and our complaining, we can experience the joy of Jesus this Christmas. We can experience those feelings of gladness and delight, of eager anticipation, that knot in the stomach excitement we get when we embrace a long-missed loved ones, the feelings I get when I see Janice and the kids after being away. It's that feeling of butterflies in our belly. And perhaps in those very moments. The joy that we're feeling is the feeling Jesus feels for us that drove him to become a man, to lead us back to God, and to die in our place so that we could be with him forever. That's joy. That's the joy of Jesus. If you want to Find joy in the midst of this insanely busy holiday season. Make it your mission to imitate Jesus with your life. And that brings us to our takeaway for today. And really, it's simple today. Just follow days 8 through 14 on your Advent calendar. Use those Advent devotionals in your daily time with God. If you've already started, then go eight through 14. If you haven't started, start today. Download our Advent calendar from our church center app. Just one way, one simple way for you to put joy on the calendar, no matter what's going on around you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for Jesus, our Savior, who humbled himself to lift us up so that we could be reconciled to you and experience the incredible joy you give forever and ever and ever. We pray this prayer in Jesus' name.